You're listening to the main theme from Beverly Hills Cop, released in 1990, composed by David Whitaker. Maniacs, welcome to another episode of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. I, of course, am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, host of Very Good Music, a VGM podcast every month with Shoot Kapow, it is Bedroth. Hey, hey, I'm back. You are We're back. here to uh, watch some movies. Yeah, we're not, we're not about, playing yeah. games this week. We're not even, uh, you know, I, I don't even feel like we're playing music this week. We're going to be sitting down, reminiscing on some movies and... This should be a fun episode. This should be yeah. a fun one to do. This I'm has been an episode to topic that we've been kicking around for a little while now. I think Frank actually came up with this idea several years ago, and now we're finally doing it. So, <laughs> yeah, this was a this was an interesting one to research. There obviously is no shortage of video game, um, movie based video games out there, and uh, gotta say, man, I'm sure that you know this. A whole lot of those soundtracks are just pure garbage. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of the games are pure garbage too. <laughs> yep, I think I think so. The games we're featuring tonight are probably oh, pure they garbage. Absolutely but... are. They definitely fall in that definite realm. <laughs> but this, uh, but this music. I think this though, even started out as like a bad movie episode. Like I'm pretty sure that's what Frank suggested, and then I just kind of adapted it from there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. We've got a. I'm looking just at my playlist. I've got a nice mix of western and. Uh, Japanese composers here so we're gonna get a cool cool spread uh light nice spread of uh consoles as well I think absolutely yeah Lots we're jumping cool all over the place today it's gonna be a lot of fun uh before we start chatting about that opening track real quick if you'd be so kind head on over to Apple Podcast or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review it does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow and remember we are on Patreon patreon.com forward slash RPG era you can head on over there check out our tiers see what we're doing if you feel inclined toss us a couple bucks each month if not continuing to listen every week when we put out an episode works wonders as well special shout out to current executive producers jexax and zenku thank you guys both so much every time uh so yeah we are discussing movie based games today and one of the 
limitations, I guess, if we want to call it that, that we kind of imposed on ourselves for this episode was that we tried to stick with games that were just more or less from a movie franchise, not necessarily something that started out elsewhere. Like we tried to focus on video games that are just based on a movie franchise, like a movie IP. So not necessarily a comic book or a novel or things like that. Right. So Scott Pilgrim, I actually mentioned when you and I were talking after the show last week, uh, I decided I wasn't going to go after that one because you could kind of uh, the game is related to the movie, but I think it's actually more based on the manga. It's kind of hard Mm -hmm. to say with that one. So, but uh, all the ones uh, as you and I were saying before, before uh, the the episode started, all the ones we picked are based, even if they're based on a property that originated somewhere else, the game we're talking about was definitely based on the film. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. So I had the pleasure of kicking us off today, and I think I chose the only track that I had saved from when Frank and I were initially talking about this episode, (laughs) which was the main theme from the Amiga version of Beverly Hills Cop. Now, that did release sometime in 1990, and it was composed by David Whitaker, but it was based on the theme that Harold Faltermeyer had composed for the actual movie. And it's actually a pretty good adaptation of the of the main theme. It really is. And I think the simplicity of the main theme and the fact that it was based on, on synths anyway probably helped uh, Whitaker out when he was adapting this. But man, what a classic melody. Like, anybody our age and even like 10 years older or younger uh, my kids know this theme because they're still playing it in high school bands you know it's It's an iconic piece of music absolutely I mean it's transcended movies it's transcended into pop culture like everybody knows that main hook of this theme well, I was telling you, man, 20 years ago when I had my first cell phone before smartphones were even thought of, uh, it was just a little Nokia brick. And I had a, uh, a, a bloop bleep version of the Beverly Hills Cop <laughs> theme as my ringtone. I can remember how it sounded to this day. It was I had one of those stuff. Nokia bricks as well. <laughs> I think we all did back in the day. I still have it. It still works. They still work, dude. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's crazy. They don't build them like they used to. Now we re- now they try to tell us that we need to replace them every year. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so have you seen this movie? Absolutely. Yeah, this is oh, such yeah. a classic movie. Uh, it is. I've obviously I even like the second the one. Sequ- yeah, I was going to say, I've even seen the sequel. The sequel's okay. It's not... It wasn't as impactful as the first. I don't think it it had a a as strong of a lasting appeal as the mm-hmm. first movie did. But I mean, this was one of my favorite Eddie Murphy movies back in the day. Yeah, this was some good stuff. This was back in Eddie Murphy's real heyday uh, before he started, I, I guess, kind of doing the Nicolas Cage thing and just kind of getting into movies because he needed to pay off an island somewhere or something. But yeah. like right after he left SNL and still had quite a bit to prove, he was uh, he was all over the place and he did some really good stuff. He really did. Now, I've not played this game, so I can't say if the game is any good, and I and I have to assume that it's not. Oh, yeah. I've never played anything on the Amiga, so I, I would probably... I've played a few things on the Amiga, but I've not played much on the Amiga. Um, I do love Amiga music, though, as we've talked about on this show plenty of times. We've we've focused a lot on Amiga music, and I I really do enjoy it. Um, I don't think you guys ever did an Amiga episode, did you? We did. 
Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I we, must def- we definitely did. Wow. We did a I we did a forgot. full focus on the Amiga, <laughs> and may have even done. Yeah, we did a part two as well. So if we ever do oh, wow. another focus, we're up to part three on just Amiga music. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Well. So we have done two individual focuses in the past, um, and those episodes have always been really fun to put together. Well, I guess, again, you'll have to forgive me with your 200 plus episodes if I don't remember every single one. I have listened to them all, though, <laughs> for sure. It's still <laughs> impressive to me that we are up to like this is episode 231. Like, that's yep. just incredible. It's cool, man. It's really cool. There's not too many other shows that have survived that long into that many episodes. And obviously we haven't. If we would have been more consistent, we'd be almost up to like 300 by now. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we wouldn't have skipped weeks and months there at some times, <laughs> we'd at least be over 250. Yeah, there are there are not very many that are up there that high. I could I could maybe name five, including this one, that have gotten past the 200 mark. But it's it's rare. It's very rare. So it is. And to still be going strong, too, which is impressive. Sure. Like yep. the numbers aren't dipping and that's awesome. So that much I can say thank you for. Um. But yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. And and like you said earlier, we're going to be bouncing all over the place. We're going to be listening. We're going to be in the NES. I think we have a we actually do have a lot of NES on the uh, on the episode today and a lot of SNES as well. Like we did focus heavily on some of the retro stuff, but I think that makes sense, too, for what we were trying to do with this episode. Now, have you seen all of the movies on your list? No, I have not. I have seen all but one of mine. Uh, you don't have to say which one you think it is, but you can look at the list and see if you can guess which one I haven't seen. And I think it's going to surprise you. So, well, we'll get there. I'll, I'll mention it when we get there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I definitely I definitely would be curious to know which one that is. I have seen a majority of the movies on my list, but I've not seen them all. Okay. There are, well, just one on my list, actually, that I haven't okay. seen. Okay. All right. And what I think is cool is we did not um, just as usual, we didn't really discuss any of this beforehand. uh, And we still picked from from different movies, not just different games based on the same movie, but actually different movies all down the down the line. Now, there were a couple crossovers (laughs) that I had the title theme from Cool World on my short list, but you've already played that and you're playing another track from Cool World. I had a track from The Mummy Demastered on my list, and I, I ended up bumping it. I was sad you cut that. I was actually sad yeah. you ended up cutting that one. I- I did because I honestly, as much as I can respect the craft, I don't like the style of the song as much as some of the other ones I picked. And you've already played some, a little bit of Mummy Demastered. Most, if not all, of the games I picked from, I don't think you played anything from before. So, which is exciting, which yeah. is definitely exciting. And I'm really excited to get to your first block of tracks because you have a, a game coming up that I have a ton of experience with. And... It wasn't a great game, but man, do I remember so many fond memories with it. Or do I have so many fond memories with it? That's what I was trying There's to say There's another game in here that I have a lot of experience with, and it was it was a good game, I will say at least. Uh, I went back and played it on a ROM a little while back, and it holds up well enough. And it's, um, well, we'll get there, though. And just like I did a couple of episodes ago, I'm starting out with an NES block. All of these were released on the Nintendo Entertainment System. We're going to start out, though, with the stage theme from Rambo, released May 24th, 1988, composed by Toru Hasabe and Minki Motoyama.
Next up, we have Motorcycle Escape from Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, released March 1991, composed by Tim and Jeff Follett. Last in this block, we have Horse Chase and Guy's Battle from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, released in November 1991, composed by Paul Webb. talking about stage theme from the NES game Rambo. And before we get to the track, uh, Brian, you said this is uh, the game that you have actually got the experience with in this block. Yeah, I played the ever-living crap out of this game back in the day, dude. Um, this was one of the original 
games that I had when I got my NES. Uh, I don't know why I ended up with this game. I'm pretty sure either my mom or dad picked it up because they were a fan of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just one of the ones that, you know, back then you had to play what you have. So <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some gameplay of this. It looks like it's, you know, it's, it's manageable on the surf on it's the not um, terrible. Yeah, it's on it's the level of terrible. Uh, a lot of the same kind of side scrolling beat em, not really beat em up, but side scrolling uh, action type stuff. Yeah, and, it's uh, not terrible, but it looks pretty good. It's not a great game. And the only like fond memories that I have playing through this I lived in a small apartment back during this time and I had a few friends that, you know, were around my age there and they all used to come over and we would play this game together, kind of just passing the controller back and forth. And the music that you actually picked, the stage theme, is probably my favorite track from the entire game. But that's likely just because it's the track you hear the most. Like, it's the music that plays when you're out there in an actual environment or level and... You know, there's not a ton of variety in terms of the stage music, but <laughs> it's ingrained in my memory. But it's such an iconic piece of music. Yeah, it's so good. I, I heard this on one podcast or another at one point, and it's been on my short list to, to bring to a show I was on at some point. It's just it's so like triumphant. And yeah, there's a tension to it as well. It's it's really, really cool stuff. I also have it to mention I was Rambo. looking at some it fits Rambo. It does. Yeah. Yeah, because there is there's a that 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 lead sense and the tone that it hits has a sort of tragic slant to it. Just the and Rambo definitely definitely a, a tragic character. Um gone through so much and just emblematic of the the mistreatment of a lot of Vietnam vets who came back. One of my favorite characters that Sylvester Stallone has ever played, I think, is oh, yeah. Rambo. Yeah. And Rocky, yeah, for of sure. course. But. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two two great classic, classic, um, iconic characters. And the uh, one thing I do have to say before we move on to our next track, the um, <laughs> the one thing I did notice really jumped out at me when I watched the, the, let, the long play of this was... During the cutscenes, Rambo's face just in 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 perfect punch out style. It just looks so derpy. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> this like hand drawn <laughs> NES like eight bit rendition of Sylvester Stallone's mug, and it's really something. You just have to go look it up. It's not the best <laughs> likeness, and it's definitely again, it's not the best game. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't have any experience with this one. I also don't have any experience, like, at all. I didn't even know it existed until I found it during my research, is this next game, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. We listened to the motorcycle escape theme, and I had I had this track picked out. I didn't do a lot of research on the tracks themselves, like who did them, anything like that. I didn't want to be too biased when I went in, and I just, I really pulled up a list of, games based on movies from Wikipedia and at first I just went through and and wanted to pull from games I had actually played so I could I could talk about them and I have played most of these there are a couple I haven't but uh, this one I again I'd never heard of and I had it up on my short list and I was playing it for Shukapau when I took him to work earlier today and this one came on and I was like okay this is short 
but I just feel like I have to pick this. It sounds, it sounds so much like Tim Fallen. Like he's just doing so much with all these arpeggios and those drums sound awesome. And it's one of those songs that you feel like it couldn't have fit on an NES card. And so right. I, I just, it sounds so much like him. And then we sit down and you give me all the track information. I'm like, oh, look at that. <laughs> it's Tim Fallen. Well, yeah, it's Tim, Tim and Fallen. Jeff Fallen, but still. <laughs> Tim and Jeff, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think in a lot of these, if I remember correctly from interviews, Tim did do a lot of the actual composing on these tracks and Jeff kind of assisted with the implementation and stuff. Uh, and occasionally, like in the, um, oh, back on my superhero episode, I played something from a game video game called Ultraverse Prime, I think, and Jeff actually performed vocals on that opening track. So that was a Tim and Jeff joint as well. But man, I love these guys so much. Uh, I looked up some footage of this game. It looks pretty interesting. I could see where maybe it could be kind of janky if you actually have to play it, but the side-scrolling areas look kind of similar to Castlevania, except if Simon could duck and kick. And then there are some puzzle elements uh, where you're like moving things around the screen and trying to uh, to figure out the solution to something. And I even saw a part where it looked like you were indie and you were trying to figure out what to do next. And you could like select the different like if you were going to go to this place, look for your dad or this place, look for this guy. And it looks like there might have been some depth to this game, but I don't know. It doesn't I have no look idea. terrible. Like it's not a game that I have any experience with, but I was watching a long play as well. And it doesn't seem like a terrible game. Like there's a lot of um, environmental things that you get to interact with, like the ropes and kind of scaling verticality up and down. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't seem terrible in terms of the games that we're talking about today. Now, again, I've never played this, but right. it doesn't look bad. Did you ever play the Indiana Jones game? It was like a collection on SNES. Um, I want to say yes, but I don't remember. I think it was I've a played rental some for of me. the Indiana Jones games, but I've not played them all. And uh, the music wasn't great when I went back to it, but I did play that uh, as a rental. And I remember it being exactly what you're saying. It was it was solidly average. It was an OK game. It had some really fun ideas that weren't necessarily as fun in the implementation as they were in the conception. Um, but this looks better than a lot of Tim Fallen games. I will say that he kind of had the curse of being this fantastic composer for <laughs> crappy games. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Yeah. And this so was, crappy this they was never such even a, came out. you know, like a, a surprise to hear. <laughs> Here because again we didn't really come into this with specific composers in mind right but hearing tim fallen on the nes is such a treat man it is like you said how he was able to pack all of those sounds and everything into the cartridge you know the limitations that the nes had it's really impressive it is. And I thought I had heard or at least like been aware of pretty much everything Tim Fallon had done. But again, I never knew this game existed. Uh, I must have seen it on lists of Tim Fallon works over the years and just completely glazed over it. But yep. this was a That's great movie, fun though. And exciting when you kind of discover something like that for the first time. This is my favorite of the original. Uh, well, of the Indiana Jones movies, I guess this is this, this is, is really one. great. Love it a lot. This is a good one. The next one on the list, I guess I'll talk about the movie first. <laughs> this movie is is 
<laughs> notoriously campy. Um, like oh, yeah. just the fact that Kevin Costner doesn't even speak with a British accent as Robin Hood is so great. And <laughs> and but but man, Alan Rickman, who we're going to talk about again a little later, I think Alan Rickman as the sheriff in this movie is just so so scenery chewingly awesome. Uh, the part where his cousin or uh, his brother, no, his cousin, uh, guy guy is born, uh, is asking him what he's going to do to Robin Hood, and he's like, "I'm going to cut his heart out with a." Spoon. And Gisborne says, Why a spoon, brother? Because it's dull, you twit. It'll hurt more. <laughs> Just, oh, good stuff. And It's not my favorite Robin Hood movie. Um, no, no. It's fun to watch, but not as fun as Men in Tights. And I was going to say, Men in Tights is my favorite Robin Hood yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it so much. I've got another story about that for another time. But uh, the horse chase and Guy's battle when you're actually fighting Guy Gizmorn, who I was just talking about. Uh, this is the music that plays in those areas. And this game... I have quite a bit of experience with. I probably beat it three or four times on the NES. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And it really is fun. It doesn't look fantastic when you go back and look at it, but there are several different modes. There is a, an overhead mode where you control... Uh, usually Robin as, as the main character and it's fun because it actually depending on what type of weapon you're using uh, you'll actually swing a different weapon on the screen now you can only face one of the four cardinal directions you can move diagonally but you can only face one of those directions so yeah, that's a little bit limited but you're basically in that mode you're going through and trying to like find clues and, and uncover traps and get, find keys and get out of doors and okay. you have to attack enemies here in there then sometimes you'll go to a certain area where you'll, you'll trigger 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 a bird's eye view that sort of turns into an rts um uh, area and you move your characters around and you push select to go to a, a different character sometimes you'll have three or four on the screen and you have to move them all around to attack like these hordes of enemies that come onto the screen and they will auto attack if you're not controlling them but if you don't move them into the right place they can be overwhelmed pretty easily so so there's that. But then sometimes you will run into a certain character, like Guy Gisborne in this case, and after you talk to them, you'll trigger a duel scene, and it turns into a side, uh, a side view, and you actually duel the other guy like with a health bar and everything, and it's almost like a fighting game, but with a sword. It's, it's a really, really cool game. Most of the music is just kind of okay. I haven't done enough research and listening to tell if, like, how much of it, if any, was adapted from the movie, but the music is mostly okay, but this was exciting and kind of gets your blood pumping, so I thought it would go well with those other tracks. Still got that medieval flair, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. This is actually a really interesting track, and while we were listening to it, I kept pointing out how much I actually liked it to to the point that I was looking up Paul Webb because he's a name that I'm, I know I've heard before, but I'm not, like, super familiar with, so I mm -hmm. was looking on VGMPF and just kind of looking at some of the credits that he has. Yeah, what did you find? I was able to find, he, he actually has uh, credits on the NES version of Monopoly, okay. which I know I played the crap out of back in the day. That's another game that I own, so that um, likely could be why I'm familiar with him there. But he also did the music for Roger Clemens' MVP Baseball on the NES, another game that I know I owned. Um, looks like he's got credits on Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back, some of the classic WWF games from back in the day, like Steel okay. Cage Challenge, Super WrestleMania on the Genesis, uh, and SNES. But uh, he also has credits on Mortal Kombat 2 on the oh, SNES wow. as well. 
at least according to this. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool so he's kind of all over the place, but uh, definitely a name that I knew I knew, and I just wasn't sure why, but likely because a lot of these wrestling games too, like the Royal Rumble game on the Super Nintendo and Genesis, he also has credits on. So I know I've played those a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, those well, were some I've, of my uh, staples back in the day. <laughs> well, I've rambled a lot on these racks, and I feel like I might again. Uh, but um, I could talk forever about that Robin Hood game. I really loved it a lot. But I'm I'm really eager to get into your next block because let me take another look real quick. I am. Well, I mentioned Cool World. Yes, which is the only one on my list I've not seen. I have not seen the movie Cool World. I actually. Um, I've seen Five Goes West. I I never saw Nightmare on Elm Street. I've never really been too big into horror films. I've seen a few of them. Uh, I don't hate them. I just don't seek them out. And Cool World, I have also never seen. But okay. um, I, I know it's got great music. I have no idea about these others. Actually, no. I have heard some stuff from Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, never heard anything from this Fievel game. So I'm, I'm curious. Well, I think you're in for a treat. I think you're going to like all three of these tracks. So Very cool. Uh, we, are, we are jumping a little all over the place here. We have, obviously, <laughs> a horror game, an animated children's film, and then a, a comedy in Cool World. So we have yeah. two SNES games, one NES game. We're going to kick things off with Welcome to the Cool World from Cool World. Again, this is the Super Nintendo version. This was released February 1993, composed by Dean Evans and Keith Tinman.
next, we'll be taking a listen to The Attic from A Nightmare on Elm Street, released in October 1990, composed by David Wise. Closing out this block, we'll be taking a listen to Theme of the Western Heroes from an American tale, Fievel Goes West, released in August 1994, composed by Munitaka Sakamoto, Takashi Sumaki, and Takeshi Sato.
Coming back in, we are talking about Welcome to the Cool World from Cool World. Again, this was composed by Dean Evans and Keith Tinman. And what a chill vibe this track gives off, dude. I know we've played the title music from Cool World on the show before, mm-hmm. and you and I were talking a little bit about Dean Evans while listening to this and, you know, some of the stuff he's done on specifically Waterworld. But he just has such a vibe going, man. I absolutely love it. And, you know, I don't hide the fact that I'm always generally smoking weed or partaking in that lifestyle. But (laughs) a lot of my picks tend to a lot of my picks tend to go with that in mind. And, dude, I just love this so much. (laughs) This is this is really, really good stuff. And. Like I told you, man, if, if you like this, you've got to check out, and for the listeners, you've got to check out more Dean Evans. Uh, you've played some Waterworld on the on the show, which, again, is why I didn't go with a Waterworld track on my playlist. I had one right up until the last minute, and I subbed out something for it. I don't remember which one, but... Um, oh, it's actually my playout, because I felt like... Oh, okay. I, I really wanted to play the playout. I also really wanted to play Waterworld, and the only difference between them was that you'd played Waterworld before, so... I, <laughs> So I, I bumped it. Um, but also really want to point some people toward the unreleased Green Lantern SNES soundtrack. I have played uh, I played one back on my Superhero episode with Prop Jeff bringing that one up again. I guess there's some crossover there, licensed properties, lots of superhero movies in the, in the canon. And I played another one on some other show. I don't remember which one, but it was, it's, it's just really, really good stuff. And I'm really glad you got Dean Evans represented on this list. He was with Ocean for a while, and Ocean yes, released a lot was. of crappy adaptations with great music. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think he was up with them somewhat into the 2000s, even. Like, mm-hmm. he was with them for a while. I think until they folded, um, yeah. actually. So. Uh, Which is crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh, the Flintstones movie soundtrack also has some great music. The best tracks on that soundtrack are actually the unused <laughs> unused tracks that you can only find go when figure. you go to a sound test. <laughs> <laughs> go figure. Yeah. I, I feel like, I think somebody said that they felt like he must have just had some demos laying around that he didn't want to get totally forgotten. So he uploaded them with the other sound files and just listened to this unused music. <laughs> That's hilarious. And that would be amazing if so. (laughs) Now, I don't know if one of the instruments in this track is supposed to be like a theremin. It has that Mm -hmm. sound to it. And I just, I freaking love that, dude. Yep. Yeah. It's the instrumentation is really cool here. This is, uh, it's very unique for the SNES. Um, And it sounds really, really clean. A lot of people, when they tried to do, uh, flashy stuff with the SNES. It didn't come across really well. It sounds super compressed. This sounds really, really nice. I like it a lot. Yeah, it's so chill. It's it's a nice track to just kick back, zone out to. It really is. Exactly. It really is. This next one is also really low-key. I don't know if I would call it chill, though. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not chill. It's obviously meant to, you know, have some horror elements behind it. We're talking about The Attic from A Nightmare on Elm Street, the NES version that was composed by David Wise. I'm glad we got some David Wise in here. We obviously just did the composer appreciation episode on him last month, so that was fun. Yep. But, uh, or maybe uh, even been this month, I don't even remember. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But this is a game that, much like Friday the 13th was on the NES, 
it wasn't that great of a game. But A Nightmare on Elm Street has always been my favorite horror slasher franchise. Like, in terms of the big iconic horror characters, you know, Freddy, Jason... Um, I mean, those being the two biggest, but then you right. have Leatherface and so many others. I've always been a fan of Freddy Krueger. Yep. He's always been my number one. And specifically the, the Dream Warriors version of Nightmare on Elm Street from 1987. I think that's probably still my favorite of all of them. And that oh, yeah. more tends to just be because Dawkins did the theme music for that one. And I love hair metal. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I've always really enjoyed this franchise, and I definitely wanted to pick something from this game. I know we've played the most iconic track from this game before, the the music for Elm Street on a previous episode. Yeah, that's what I've heard before. On a couple yeah, of shows, that's I think. definitely the most iconic piece of music from this game. But this was really cool. I was getting some Fester's Quest vibes, actually. Yeah, I was this. just going to say, a lot of this track reminds me of what, uh, like, some of the music in Fester's Quest. It really does. Yeah. Anything that reminds me of Naoki Kodaka is always great. So, um, and of course, you know, David Wise is is a legend and he is for a reason. Uh, Freddy is such a an iconic figure that I feel like I know him, even though I haven't seen any of his right. movies. And I, I I do I do really like the the mystique behind this this sort of, you know, demonic figure who can haunt your dreams. Being a Texas boy, my dad actually has always been the biggest fan of Leatherface. He actually is trying to decide. He wants to, to treat himself with a Leatherface t-shirt, and he's trying to decide between two different versions of the same shirt, which is basically Leatherface holding up a chainsaw, and the, the caption says, don't mess with Texas. <laughs> <laughs> And he just want, he's trying to figure out which one he wants. <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know what I also like about this, too? Tying back to the discussions that we were having about David Wise in that composer appreciation episode and how, uh, like, fun and bouncy and energetic his music actually is. Mm-hmm. Hearing him compose for what would be a horror-type game or a horror-inspired game like A Nightmare on Elm Street... This music still is kind of fun, and it's kind of upbeat and yeah, bouncy at the same time. <laughs> for sure. And it's cool because you listen to stuff like this and some of the things we played on an episode from his NES days, and you can hear, you know, sort of, I guess, not echoes, but precursors to the things that he did in the Donkey Kong Country franchise. Oh, yeah. Then this last one. You've got me IMDBing stuff here now. <laughs> I think this is my favorite of that block, obviously. Probably one of my favorite tracks that I'm playing today. We're talking about the theme of the Western heroes from an American tale, Five Goes West, a franchise that I just absolutely adore. I love this IP. I loved these animated films, and I still do. Like, I haven't seen them in a very long time, but I loved these movies, and I think that I first was kind of introduced to them in school, right? Like, mm-hmm. during recess, whenever we couldn't go outside because it was bad weather or whatever, they would always wheel in those TVs and play a movie for you. Yep. I know for sure that's how I got introduced to uh, Five Will Goes West and the original that um, 
you know, came before it, just an American Tale from 1986. Yeah, an American Tale, which, man, in hindsight, what a great movie. Like, when I was young, I liked the second one better because it's a little more fun. It's got more, more zaniness to it. But yeah, going back there's more going adult, on. That first movie holds up so well. It's it's just, not even just for a kid's movie, it's just a really great movie with some really heavy themes in it, too. It is, and it's... You know, in a time period where a lot of those animated films were dominated by Disney, this was universal. Like, this was, you know, a different take, a different style of animation, and I really loved it. And what I appreciate a lot about the theme of the Western heroes, you and I were talking about it while listening to it. I I kind of associated it a lot with, like, some Zelda vibes, but you had mentioned a lot of, like, the JRPG elements and tropes that are kind of buried in there as well. And after you pointed that out, I started noticing, like, you know, the up and down in the background of the mm-hmm. kind of, like, reminiscent of the Final Fantasy crystal music and everything. There is just a lot going on here that I love. Yeah. Yeah. And this, um, I'm trying to remember who all was involved. I think this was a Spielberg production. Yeah, Spielberg produced it. Uh, mm-hmm. He did not direct this one. He he was more involved. Okay, Don Bluth, who directed Land Before Time, was involved with the first one, and this one, um, this one, not as much. Uh, some of the voice acting, though. Uh, Fievel's friend Tiger the Cat, voiced by Don yes. DeLuise, is one of those characters who, just like you know, the big lovable goof sidekick character that is just this archetype in <laughs> in movies now, is a character who I'm always going to remember. There is a scene in this movie where Fievel is having to get out of the desert, and they play, um, they play rawhide. <laughs> yes. And oh, there's just so much. I want to go back and watch this movie again now. This I is, do too. Like this is doing the research for this episode. I don't know if Amer- an American Tale and Fievel Goes West are streaming anywhere, but I would love to rewatch these movies. For sure. Yeah, I think it's time to go back and watch these with my kids. <laughs> yeah, I think they would enjoy that. And man, I, I don't know if you ever played the game on the Super Nintendo. I have not. I have not but, either. Um, nope. I would like to, I think, still. Like, you know, a lot of those games, you know, specifically the Super Nintendo versions, you think like Aladdin and The Lion King, ones that were based on animated films, they hold up pretty well. I would be curious if this one does. Who made this one? Was Hudson. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, that's know, right, Hudson. Yeah. So, yeah, they've got a pretty good... they got a good track record. Pretty good track record. Let me, let me look up a little bit of footage here, see what I see. Okay, so he's jumping around on platforms, got his got his little gun. Looks pretty Looks pretty straightforward. Doesn't look terrible, right? No, like, it, it's, the graphics it's nothing nice. crazy, but it doesn't look terrible. Like, it, it seems like a game that... I'm surprised I didn't play back in the day because I played a lot of games like this. You know, it reminds me some of like the Tiny Toons games and stuff. Like I played a lot of those games on the Super Nintendo. I'm surprised I never got around to this one. Yeah, Buster Bus Loose is what popped in my head when mm-hmm. I saw this. It looks like it's rife for, uh, I wonder why Snestronk hasn't covered this yet. It looks like exactly his kind of game to cover. But like, this is cool. This part is remi- what I'm seeing now is reminding me of, uh, of the Disney Mickey games. He's like jumping on platforms and he's having to shoot this water gun to some of the platforms are on fire. And he has to shoot the water gun to put them out so we can jump on the platform. And it's it's really, yeah, I would play this game for sure. Yeah, it seems like a game that I would have enjoyed. So I'm a little sad that it's not something that I ever, you know, got around to checking out or um, had the opportunity to play. But it is something that 
had it maybe come out now on like the Switch or something in a collection, I would definitely give this a shot. I don't know if I'll go seek it back out on the Super Nintendo, but I would <laughs> yeah. definitely check this out yeah, if it sure. came out as a collection or something. Oh man, that just reminded me of something. I'm so excited I got to share this with the with an audience who will appreciate it. I just yesterday, uh, as we record this, we're recording on Easter Sunday, and yesterday I got together with my wife's family, and her brother-in-law came over, who is see, he is okay, just turned thirty this year, and. Uh, so he's about nine years younger than I am, and he was kind of like, I never had a little brother growing up, and so when I married my wife, he was kind of like my, my de facto little brother. And I had an N64 I had bought in college from a friend of mine with a couple of different games, and I brought it over and hooked it up at my in-law's house and played it with him a lot until he eventually started to just trounce me at Goldeneye. And so <laughs> when when he moved out, I let him just take it with him when he moved out of his parents' house. And so he's had it for these last several years. And over Easter, I said, hey, do you still have that old N64 in the games? He said, yeah, man, that's been in the drawer for, for a while. I can, I'm not using it. I can bring it back to you. And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to get my N64 back with... No Mercy awesome. and Ocarina of Time and Goldeneye and a bunch of cool stuff and I cannot wait. I'm so excited. <laughs> that is fantastic. I still have my N64 and the majority of the games that I owned back during that time period. Uh, they're in a box. I, I don't think I'll ever get rid of that. 2001, I packed up all of my games that my dad had kept all the boxes and manuals for and I took them to some store, some resale store, and I got rid of all of it. And I still, to this day... Oh, I kicked myself so much. I had an SNES, I had a Genesis, I had an N64 at that time, and an NES, and just, ugh, I, I can't believe I did that. So this, I would have such a cool library of games, and I'd be one of those guys on YouTube with bookshelves full of games behind them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know what? I want to distract myself from my, my, my past bad decisions and um, move into <laughs> this first track in my next block. Uh, the game was almost definitely a bad decision. I think one could argue the movie might have been a bad decision, too. But, man, I Maybe. loved it when it came out. It was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, to start out uh, my next block, uh, we're going to be listening to a track from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, the video game. This is the SNES version, and the track we are going to be listening to is The Shopping Center. This game was released in July of 1995 and composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki and Haruo Ohashi.
This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. Next up, we've got track five from Die Hard Arcade, released August 1996, composed by Howard Drossett. Finally, we have Seam of Zangief from Street Fighter the Movie, released June 1995, composed by Kyle Johnson.
and we are back, and we're going to start off talking about the shopping center theme from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie for the SNES. And man, I love these soundtracks so much. I was looking up all the stuff that Hiroyuki Watsuki has done. He also did the non-movie version of the Street Fighter SNES game, and both of them were just banger soundtracks. I have more experience with the the version based on the show than this version, but you said that Me too. you played quite a bit because you were you were really into Power Rangers back in the day. I played the crap out of both of these games, yeah. I was a big fan of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in the day. I used to, before, you know, getting ready for school back in the day, I would always watch in the mornings Power Rangers mm-hmm. and Garfield and Friends. Oh, yeah. Those were the two shows that were on kind of back-to-back in the... 7 a.m. hour while I was getting ready for school so I was always a massive fan of Power Rangers and when the game started coming out obviously on the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis I was there I was ready for them and I loved them like looking back they're still pretty good games oh yeah they weren't terrible not not at all and I would say the SNES just Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for the SNES was also a pretty easy game like it was really simple and uh, something that I think if anybody is able to get their hands on it and their kid is wanting to try like a step up from like baby games for babies uh, <laughs> this would this would be pretty cool it's a side scrolling beat em up but without a vertical element so you just run left to right and and beat up the uh, bad guys and mm-hmm. it's really cool stuff it's and this this property is just perfect for video games of course with all, really all the different things you can do and i was more always more of a teenage mutant Ninja turtles guy myself but I did watch the original Power Rangers a lot, and I watched a little bit of the follow-up that this movie sort of was the transition into, and uh, when, when Tommy became the White Ranger, and Tommy was always my favorite, whether he was green or white. When Jason went gold, he was pretty cool too, I liked that, but that was around the time that I kind of dropped off. This movie was just campy, campy fun, though. Um, it was. It was, like, you know, I wasn't obviously expecting an amazing movie out of the Power Rangers IP. Mm-hmm. It kind of served its purpose. Like, even the show was campy, right? Like, you look at everything that they did and it being inspired by that Japanese show, like, of course it was going to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> of course yeah. it was going to be different. Like, it was never going to be this amazing franchise, but it was just, as a kid, it was fun, and I loved it. And the I don't remember who played him, but Ivan Ooze was just such a fantastic villain. He hammed it up so much, just like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Batman and Robin or Raul Julia in the Street Fighter movie. It's just it was really really good stuff. He was probably the best thing about that whole movie. You know what I really like about this particular track, kind of tying it back into the shopping center is that there are elements of the Power Rangers theme kind of in there, but it's different enough that it's just not like the theme to the Power Rangers yeah. playing in the shopping center. Kinda like, it's it's kind of like a remixed, rearranged version mm-hmm. of it with some different instrumentation and a different ending. Really similar to the uh, the Turtles arcade game, the first level where there's yeah. fire and uh-huh. what they do with the Turtles theme in that track. Really good stuff. A uh, little plug here for an uh, episode of another show that's about a year old. Uh, there's another podcast called VGM Fight Club, not a direct competitor of ours because it's a really different format. The host, uh, the, the commissioner of the last weekend, um, brings podcasters and fans of video game music onto his show, and we each pick 
tracks on a theme that go up against each other, and then in his Discord, you can go and vote for which track you like better in each round. And it's a cool idea. The winner, it's, like, cool, like, it's like a cool concept. Yeah, it's, it's a fun concept. And uh, I actually went up against Daryl himself in a Ninja Turtles versus Power Rangers episode last year. And we play. We had some really fantastic music. I think just music-wise, it's probably my favorite episode of his show. So if anybody wants oh, wow. more Power Rangers, go go check that one out. It was a lot of go fun. Go check it out. Exactly. <laughs> you can hear me nerd out about Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so next we're going to get into, this is the movie. This is the movie that I have not seen out of my seven. I've never seen Die Hard. That's surprising. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, there are certain movies that for a guy our age to say you've never seen it, like The Godfather, Rocky, Rambo, Terminator 2, this is one of those that it, it is weird that I haven't gotten around to it yet. And I'll probably watch and it. Is it a Christmas movie? <laughs> is it a Christmas movie, Bedroth? Is it? <laughs> See, I put this, this is going to be controversial. I put this in the same category as I do Home Alone. It's a movie okay. and, and Batman Forever, or sorry, Batman Returns. There are movies that happen at Christmas. And so there are elements of what goes on at Christmas that influence the plot. But no, it's about something totally different. It is not about I agree with Christmas. You. It is so not I a Christmas movie. So I wouldn't call it a Christmas movie. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> for, for so many people, Home Alone is like the Christmas movie that they watch. And so, and I love it. I love Home Alone. It's not a Christmas movie. Me too. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's about it, it's about this kid and it's just the comedy and the shenanigans he gets into. Um, speaking of, Home Alone, SNES, easy. I played those games not a lot. Super, not great game, but really fun for, for you know, like, like you said, you play what you have, and it helps you pass the time. It was simple, easy to get through. The music is nothing special. It's not horrible. Nope. It doesn't hurt your ears or anything, but it's not special. Um, I did play those games a lot. I have not played the Die Hard arcade game, though. Yeah, this game was a lot of fun. I was telling you, it's uh, for anybody who hasn't played it, um, sort of a 3D beat-em-up where you can run around, you have full full range of motion. It's an isometric, not isometric, but it's a three-quarters view, um, slanted, uh, kind of diagonal down. And you can punch, kick, you have combos, you can throw. Uh, and there are certain areas when you're transitioning from fight to fight where you can, you, you're prompted to push a button at a certain time. And if you do, you can bypass another fight by kicking the guy in the face or something like that. Um, or blowing something up and, you know, moving past that area. And if you fail, then you have to stop and, and have another fight. And it was really a lot of fun. It was co-op. Uh, you could play with a second person. And I don't know who it's supposed to be because, again, I haven't seen the movie. But the game was a lot of fun. And this track was really fun. Really jazzy stuff. You know what else I liked about this track, too? And I, I know f- that you on your short list, when, we, when I was looking at the playlist, when you were still narrowing stuff down, there was a few, maybe just one pick from GoldenEye. Mm-hmm. Um, this track sounds very James Bond. I actually, maybe because it's like Saturn arcade, uh, the, the in- instrumentation sounds a little bit better, that, that may be why I went with this over GoldenEye. And also because, of course, everybody knows GoldenEye, everybody's heard it. So I thought, you know, why not give this game a little bit more, a little bit more attention? I was surprised with how much, like, just spy elements and, and just how much that track or this track had going with for it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Die Hard doesn't really give off that vibe in terms of, like, a an espionage, James Bond type of an adventure. But hearing it in this track, I dig it. I dig it a lot. 
for sure. Yeah. And Howard Drossen has got some got some cool background here. Uh, composer for video games and for TV and film. One of his first video game compositions, actually one of his first compositions total, was Sonic Spinball. Uh, he was also involved with Sonic and Knuckles. What a good game. Yeah. Sonic Spinball. Great. What a good game. Yeah, it re- really is. really is. It, um, uh, uh, compare it to, like, standard Sonic games and, like, go into it expecting that, and you're not going to like it very much. If you go into it expecting it for it to be what it is, then it's, it's really, really fun stuff. It's such a fun game. Uh, comics and Zone. our second appearance by Alan Rickman, right? That's From it. Die yep. Hard. Second appearance by Alan Rickman, also playing uh, playing a villain here. Hans Gruber, I think is his name. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Hans Gruber. Yep. <laughs> Another scenery chewing villain for uh, for man, man, the actor that you just you love to hate all of his characters so much. Uh, Severus Snape, of course, and. I mean, iconic though, right? Like such an amazing actor. Such an amazing actor. One of my will favorite forever roles be missed. Will forever be missed. Is his um, his turn in Galaxy Quest? I think he's the yes. best part of that whole movie, and I love the movie so much. But man, it's such a by good Garoth movie. Thar's hammer. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Such a good movie. I'm having such a good time on this episode, man. We're talking about such such fun things. A nice uh, nice counterpoint to that last episode we did. <laughs> right. I know. Like like you said before. We we just are taking everybody on this emotional roller coaster of a ride. We don't we don't really plan this out that well. We go- <laughs> See a couple more things Howard Drossen did. Didn't realize this. He composed on Baldur's Gate Two: Shadows of Om. So oh, cool okay, very nice. And also the expansion Throne of Ball. Very fun games there. Uh, Shout out to Techie Geek. I know he's a big fan of that series. He came back and did some stuff for Sonic and the Black Knight with uh, with June Sinaway. Wow, Tommy Tallarico was on that one too. That's, I'm gonna have to go check out Sonic and the Black Knight. I never really looked into it. I was gonna say so that's much. a that's a powerhouse trio there. That really is, really is. Before we move on to my third and final track of this block. Oh man, I really want to go back and see this movie. I heard about. Do you though? I do, I do. <laughs> There's another podcast I've been checking out recently that I think you would really enjoy called um, uh, Multimedia Failure, where this okay. uh, this group Not heard of goes it. back and it's all about video game movies, and they go back and watch video game movies, live action and animated, and they're they're working their way toward the present. And uh, they they rewatched this one, and it's it the way that they talked about it. It does make me want to go back and watch it, going into it and expecting it to be what it is, because I feel like that is what would make the difference. If you go into it expecting these characters to be anything like what they really are, then you're going to be sorely disappointed, especially Ryu and Ken. But it's if you go into it expecting you know Jean-Claude Van Damme and then Raul Julia at his at his finest <laughs> uh, just make sure you watch it on a Tuesday <laughs> <laughs> see I think that's why I I just didn't like it as much and I haven't ever gone back and watched it again because I did see it kind of in its heyday when it was popular yeah me too and me too I went into it watching it like you know expecting Street Fighter and expecting the characters that I knew and it just much like uh, you know some of the Mortal Kombat movies like it just it didn't feel like the IP to me or the franchise yeah. so yeah. Um, yeah if you want that there were some fun moments definitely go back but... and watch the animated Street Fighter 2 mm-hmm. that's what that you, is want really if you want really good that. But, but I feel like this could this could be campy fun and um and they did make a dedicated actually a, a few dedicated Street Fighter the movie fighting games with 
kind of Mortal Kombat style, they had the characters sort of superimposed from the movie. Yeah, the digitized mm-hmm. graphics digitized or whatever. Digitized graphics, yep. exactly. And something I didn't know. So the console version of this game, the music is just kind of okay. It's nothing stellar. I did have a couple tracks I was thinking about for a little while, but I bumped them pretty early. The arcade version, though, that was eventually ported to the Saturn, the the in-game fighting themes are original. The ending themes for the characters are actually remixes of their original um, arcade fighting themes. So, How cool like Ryu's that? ending in Street Fighter the Movie, the game for the arcade, is Yoko Shimomura's original Ryu stage theme from the original Street Fighter 2. And that, that was cool. But this is Zangief's actual, like, fighting music. And, man, this guitar on this track is really what sold it for me. I love this so much. Yep, I fell in love with this track <laughs> because of that guitar. I was so happy that you actually picked this track. Uh, I feel like I had heard this before. Like, I'm fairly sure mm-hmm. I've heard this track yeah. before. But it is so good, man. That guitar is strong, and really, it, it was all I was asking for there. <laughs> <laughs> Composed by Kyle Johnson, who I have never heard of before. Not sure. Uh-uh. Not sure what else he's done, if anything. But, but man, this... And Zangief also is just one of my favorite characters in the movie. He, <laughs> he's so dumb. <laughs> like, I'm actually looking up Kyle Johnson right now just to see, because it is a name that, like, I have no idea. You know, it's so generic. And like, you, you got to wonder even if you find yeah, something like it. Kyle Johnson. Like, <laughs> I mean, his name is Kyle. But he doesn't have he a ton of credits either. He right? doesn't have a ton of credits. <laughs> He did the music for the Three Stooges. Remember that game? I don't. Man, there was a Three Stooges game? There was. For what system? Uh, Commodore 64, DOS, and there was an NES version oh, as wow. well. Oh, wow. Okay. Huh. But yep, he did the music for that. Um, did the music for the DuckTales game on the Amiga and the Commodore 64 with David Thiel and Leaf Marweed. Oh, wow. Um, but I don't... What is PBL? Why is that not like... What is that? PBL? What platform is that? Yeah. PBL. PBL. I don't... On VGMPF, he's got a significant amount of credits for PBL, and I just don't know what that is. Phillips. No, I don't know. I can't even figure out what that might be. Yeah, the only thing coming up is project-based learning, which is a... Yeah, Yeah, which can't be it. Yeah, it's... Pinball. Pinball. Oh, okay. So he's composed quite a bit for pinball games. You know what? Listening yes, to this he's track, composed quite a bit for pinball machines. Listening to this yes. track, I could I could hear that for sure. This has a pinball feel to it. <laughs> so he did a lot of music for pinball machines. That's freaking cool. That is really cool. Okay. Okay. Well, good stuff. Well, yet again, I have uh, I've rambled quite a bit. Um, I'm interested. <laughs> That's okay. Interested in your next block. I I've played a couple of these games, and and um, I've played all three of these games, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> uh, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. Um, two of them I actually have a lot of fond memories with. The first game that I'm kicking off with, not so much. Yeah, yeah. These were <laughs> these really were not great video games, but. I almost, um, I don't remember what it was. Again, I got bumped pretty early. I almost played something, though, from, from this first game. So so I'll let you get into it. Okay. All right. Well, let's kick things off. We are we are jumping all around. Well, not really. We have two NES games and then one, our most modern game on the playlist today from the PlayStation 4. But we are going to kick things off with the title theme from Back to the Future 2 and 3. This was released sometime in 1990, and it was composed by Tanya Smith. Thank you. 
Up next is the title screen from Ratchet and Clank, released April 12, 2016, composed by Michael Bross. Finally, we'll be taking a listen to Daniel and Okinawa from The Karate Kid, released in 1987, composed by Tsukasa Masuko and Hirohiko Takayama. Thank you. 
coming back in and getting ready to close this episode out, unfortunately. We are talking about the title theme from Back to the Future 2 and 3. This was, again, composed by Tanya Smith. A great piece of music. I really enjoy this. I just wish these games would have been better because I love these movies. You and I were talking oh, about yeah. that while listening to it. Like, if we had to rank the movies that we were playing from today, Back to the Future would be up near the top for both of yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a shame that these games just, especially the first game and then followed up with two and three, they were just so bad. It is. So bad games. Did you ever play the Telltale Back to the Future games? Um, no. One of the only Telltale games I've not actually played. Because I wonder, I, I have to imagine Telltale does some pretty good pretty good stuff, and I have to imagine they could have done something nice with this. There's so much character. I know movies. those were before they started doing The Walking Dead. It was like right around when they were starting to come up with their formula for games. Ah, gotcha. But from what I understand, the games are pretty good. I mean, they're better than these versions, at least. They are not But it doesn't take <laughs> yeah. much. I was going to say, it doesn't take much. I'm pretty sure I could make a game better at this point using RPG Maker or something. <laughs> I remember renting this one, and it's, as I was saying off the air, it's definitely better than the first one. But the first one is absolute hot garbage. It's worse than no game. It really is. <laughs> like, putting in a cartridge and a game not working would be better than playing the first Back to the Future game <laughs> on the SNES. <laughs> it's so bad. It is definitely bad. And I don't know what this track reminds me of. It reminds me of something and it's bugging me. Like when I was sitting there listening to it again, you know, just for the episode, it reminds me of a piece of music that I just can't figure out. Uh, I'm assuming you mean something other than back in time. like the Other than back. From, yeah. Yes. Other, <laughs> of course. Yes. But it just like the way that it sounds on the NES. Do, 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 do. That reminds me of something and I just can't figure out what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm trying to place it now, too. It's something popular. I just don't know what it is. It's it's a popular game that it sounds familiar to. I just can't figure it out. And it's going to bug me until I do. Is it... Uh, is there some Double Dragon in there? Um, Maybe, but that's not what I'm thinking of. Yeah. At least I don't think uh, it is. Anybody who hears this, and if you know what we're talking yeah. about, definitely let us know. Reach out. Let me know, because it's going to bug me until I figure it out. And it's going to be something that I continuously go back and try to figure mm -hmm. out every so often. Like, yeah. I want to know what this is, because I do enjoy this track. Um, you know, again, game not so good, but the movies are. The movies really are. Kind of a common theme with what LJN. A great franchise. <laughs> oh, yeah. And unfortunately, not the only LJN game I decided to pick from for this last block either. <laughs> <laughs> I saved the LJN for last, yep. I guess. The, the worst for last. But before we talk about the other LJN game, I did have a really beautiful piece of music there sandwiched in the middle from the 2016 release of Ratchet and Clank, which was based on, or, or I'm sorry, was a movie based on the original Ratchet and Clank video game. And I like what Insomniac did here. You know, this was them returning to the Ratchet and Clank franchise after taking so long off, right? They went off and did... 
um, a bunch of other things after working with Sony and Ratchet and Clank and ended up doing Sunset Overdrive and a few other things and then eventually returned back to Ratchet and Clank before Mm Spider-Man and their reimagining of the first Ratchet and Clank and kind of basing it on the movie this was such a good movie and such a good game and I really appreciate this soundtrack that was done by Michael Bross I love how, you know, any time a soundtrack can just capture that sweeping orchestral feel, which I think is is kind of handled perfectly here in this track, especially when we get toward the end and the the bigger brass instruments kick in, like the tuba and the trombone. They're very prominent toward the end of this track. Um, it's so well done, dude. And it obviously being the most recent game or recent console that we're featuring on the playlist today in the PlayStation 4, of course it's going to have that more orchestral cinematic feel to it. But yeah, I, I was saying it's funny that... that epic, dude. This, this is epic. This sounds the most cinematic of any of the games we've listened to. <laughs> Just because of it really the, does. And I'm glad we got something like that on this episode. Yep. Yeah, it's this was really good. I... I have got this game, I think, on the PS4. I think I started... Uh, I know I have a Ratchet and Clank game, and I'm pretty sure it's this one. Um, I've started playing it, and my uh, my, my middle kid, who, who the uh, podcast world knows is Lemon Boy, also played through some of it, like, quite a bit. And I remember it was really impressive. The, the visuals, the smooth gameplay, the soundtrack, of course. And I actually had associated everything I'd heard from this game with Mark Mothersbaugh because I, he was involved with the original tracks. But but this one was um, was Michael yeah, Bross. Michael Bross. So hats off, hats off to Mr. Bross. Did a great job. Which was really cool. Absolutely, it was. And if you've not played through um, the newest Ratchet and Clank, I know you don't have access to a PlayStation Five right, right. now, but you absolutely need to play through Rift in Time because that game is so incredible. Like, the Ratchet and Clank games are just really well done. They really are. And Insomniac probably is one of the better developmental studios out there right now. Just in terms of their turnaround and their ability to make strong games. Like, you know, they just did um, the follow-up to Spider-Man, the the Miles Morales version, but they're already working on Spider-Man 2, and they're also working on Wolverine. Yep. I'm sure they're working on another Ratchet and Clank. Like, just they remind me a lot of Nihon Falcom oh, and yeah. their ability to crank out these amazing games in such a short amount of time. Very cool, very cool. Unlike uh, unlike some other <laughs> other big developers that we can name, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> who take forever to develop games and end up releasing the same game on like three systems in a row at full price. Oh, yeah. Uh, Grand Theft Auto. Look at yes. you. Something like that. Elder Scrolls. Looking at you, Rockstar. Rockstar, yeah. <laughs> Elder Scrolls, GTA. <laughs> yep. Those companies living off their uh, their small output of games because it's just crazy that they can, right? It's absurd to me that GTA Five still sells as well as it does. Like, why? Who's still buying it? It's been out for 10 years. <laughs> Who's still buying that game yep. and why? Oh, and how many people have it, like in three or four different versions? <laughs> yeah, Ugh. it's mind-blowing, dude. It's mind-blowing. Um, the last track that I had in that block is from the Karate Kid on the NES. We are talking about Daniel and Okinawa. And this was, again, composed by Sukasa Masuko and Hirohiko Takiyama. I love this track. And let me tell you. 
I love this movie. This was a really cool track. It reminded me some of like the jogging scene in Punch-Out, I think. Yes, I was going to mention that. It it absolutely feels like the jogging scene in Punch-Out. I, I really enjoyed the Karate Kid movies. I've seen all of them. I saw the original trilogy. I saw the, uh, the fourth one with, was that Hilary Swank? And then I saw the remake with um, Jaden Smith. And I have not seen Cobra Kai yet. I don't have a lot of time okay. for TV, and it's on my short list. Sure. I just, it's kind of between that and The Mandalorian as like the next big popular series I'm going to jump into and binge. And I just haven't got around Ooh, to it. That's a tough choice between the two. Yeah. Very different. Very different. But I, I know what I would I probably would love. pick Mandalorian, though, in all honesty. Yeah. Honestly, I um, I watched How I Met Your Mother with my wife all the way through, and one of my favorite things in it was the fact that one of the characters in How I Met Your Mother loved Karate Kid, but saw yes. it opposite from everybody else and thought that Billy Zabka was the hero of the movie. <laughs> yeah, Barney, yeah, right? Yeah, Barney. And, and then he actually got to meet Billy Zabka like he was on the show. He got, actually got to meet him in show, and it was really, <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah, Jessica, my ex, she was, that was one of her TV, like her favorite TV shows. How I Met Your Mother. So I've seen that several times from start to finish. Mm-hmm. I really do enjoy that series. It's a, it's a great TV yeah. show. Didn't stick the landing, but, but it's um, a really great TV show. It, yeah, <laughs> I know the, the, the way that series kind of concluded. It's controversial, right? Like the buildup and then the way they end. I don't want to spoil it for of anyone course, that yeah. hasn't potentially course, seen it, but um, it was a little bit of a letdown. I will say there is a, a fan-made edit of the of the ending. It's way better. It's way better. It's, it's way like better. that to me. That's the canon ending. So, <laughs> to anybody who does and I think watch that it, a lot of a lot of fans of the show yeah, agree. To anybody who does watch that is disappointed, seek that out, and you'll be happy. So. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Karate Kid. I like how triumphant. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, that'd be kind of fun if there was a How I Met Your Mother game, but I don't think there ever will be. <laughs> nor, nor should there like be. A visual novel style but, game. Um, that'd be so much fun. A visual novel, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is not a game that I would say is amazing or was amazing. I, I think that I probably have more fond memories with Kung Fu on the NES, which was, you know, very similar to the Karate Kid, but um, more frustrating and definitely a a more harder game. But it's the one that I have more experience with. But I do enjoy this track. And I think the reason that I picked it is because it does remind me so much of that punch out scene, as you mentioned. I just remember renting this game a few times. And the only thing about it that I remember is the mini game where you have to try to catch the flies with the chopsticks. That's that's all I remember. You know, I miss mini games like that in, <laughs> in those older NES and SNES games. Like, you know, even the the mini games in Mortal Kombat where you're like breaking boards and bricks and yeah. stuff. I enjoyed that yeah. stuff, dude. I stuff. did. I mean, who doesn't like I enjoyed up that a car, stuff? You know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, I enjoyed that stuff, man. And I enjoyed this episode. I thought this was really I fun. I did too, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, man, I'm uh, I'm glad we went with this topic. It was it was fun to go through and and listen. A little bit stressful because I was I'm, I'm, I was recording or researching for several different things all kind of around the same time, but uh, I I was still I mean I still hadn't narrowed down all of my tracks until this morning, and then I finally sent you my last uh, my last seven this morning. So, and but man, it was so much fun. I loved it. I loved it a lot. Yeah, I did too. And you, 
actually are going to be taking the closeout track here. And what are we going to be uh, what are we going to be discussing here for a few? Um, we are going to be discussing the pause mode theme from a game that you and I realized as we were listening to it is unreleased. But this is could not find yeah, gameplay, and that's why. Lethal <laughs> Weapon Three for the Sega Master System, and yeah, the pause theme. This is an almost six-minute-long track that does not loop in in the style of a lot of the classic, uh, like Commodore and Sharp and ZX Spectrum games that have like one track mm-hmm. that, that just keeps going. Uh, this was composed by Euro Intel, a Dutch composer who is um, really famous for his Commodore work, also his demo, c- demo scene work with the group Ma- Miniacs of Noise. And I would put Euro Intel up there with, with the real legends of the SID chip, like like Rob Hubbard, uh, Jonathan Dunn. After hearing this, I Chris would Hulsbeck. too. This, if you like that kind of music, this is going to be just a tour de force. This is fantastic stuff. And the fact that it's the Sega Master System blew me away, dude. I know. Because you and I were talking, like, it doesn't have the best sound chip. And there's a reason that we haven't played that many tracks from the Master System on this podcast before. This absolutely blew me and away. And I think it's really it smart really because whatever he did to port over that Commodore sound to the Master System, he's not trying to make it sound like something an NES or a Turbo Graphics could do. He's using it actually on what what could have been considered, well, it was older hardware but that in some ways was superior sound-wise with the variety of things that it could do. And it's really impressive, almost Fallen-esque, what he was able to pull off on the Master System here. I have no idea how any of the hardware stuff works, but I'd really like to to learn about it, so. Yeah, and the actual, like, the, the video of this track on YouTube, like, if you look this up, the you know, person that uploads it, SMS Power VGMs, mm. they actually have the individual like sound channels on the screen and you can just see what's going on in each of the channels. It's mind blowing. And dude. if you see this video this is the master and you system. like it, look up um, like f- f- pick a favorite like chip composer like Rob Hubbard or Ben Daglish and type in like Rob Hubbard oscilloscope tracks um, O-S-C-I-L-L-O-S-C-O-P-E oscilloscope and even if you misspell it YouTube will pick it up but you'll see those different channels like that and it's really really cool stuff you'll go down a rabbit hole if you're if you're into game audio and, and that kind of thing it's it's fun it's so amazing it's so cool to see and Lethal Weapon 3 was the first Lethal Weapon that I saw uh, because I wasn't supposed to be watching it. I was at a friend's house and his big brother had it on. And uh, <laughs> I came out right around the time when um, when Riggs and oh, the lady, it's been too long, I forgot, when they were comparing their battle scars <laughs> and, and what okay. that leads to. <laughs> and But my favorite Lethal Weapon, for sure. And just a, a fun, fun action franchise. Um, it really is. Like, it's not amazing. It's fun. Exactly. Yeah, I, you know, I, honestly, I would put it in the same category as our, our play it with um, uh, Beverly Hills Cop, mm-hmm. you know, yep. not, not an Oscar worthy film, but you're going to go into it and you're going to enjoy it. You know, it's good stuff. Uh, Mo Gibson, Danny Glover just had great chemistry and uh, <laughs> Danny Glover's I'm too old for this <laughs> classic line, <laughs> classic line in movies. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, speaking of duos with good chemistry, I want to give a quick shout out to um, 
to another uh, BGM podcast. I'm going to be on around the same time as you hear me again when we come back for our first episode in May. Uh, I'm going to be on Rhythm and Pixels for their Mother's Day episode. I was on their show about a year and a half ago, and we talked about video game dads, because at the time I was sort of the resident you know, dad in BGM podcasting, since my son is my co-host. And this time, I thought it would be fun if we talked about video game moms. So we play some cool music, uh, talk about some cool games, and if uh, if you have time after you listen to BG Mania around that time, go check it out. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to checking that episode out. And do we want to tell everybody what uh, what we're going to be releasing around that time, or do you want to leave it a surprise? Uh, we'll leave it a surprise. Okay. Okay. I don't usually I don't usually plug the the upcoming stuff anymore. Right. <laughs> I will say that it's going to be it's going to be timely, uh, a topic that it will you be. and I probably don't know a whole lot about, but uh, <laughs> not really. But it's going to be really. so it's going it's going to require some research, and it's going to re- it's going to be fun. And uh, obviously, you know, everybody knows that next week is Radio Hour because we always close the month out with Radio yep. Hour. So we're talking about the the first week of May. Um, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna limit ourselves, right? So. It could go all over the place. Absolutely. And I mean, as Radio Hour often does. And just like last time, I will not be here in person for this one. I will be sending in some tracks. Uh, so you'll, you'll hear yeah, me next on our be. next uh, regular episode, I guess, non-Radio Hour episode. But again, I will be here in spirit. <laughs> yep. So we'll try to get some, you know, some fan submissions on next week's Radio Hour. Obviously, if you have any more, feel free to submit them. You can send those through email. You can send them on social media. You can drop them in Discord. However you want to submit tracks for Radio Hour, feel free to do so. We'll have uh, a fun playlist next week. Maybe not as much talking again. I might just do that for radio hours when you and I aren't together, just because it makes sense. Yeah, but I it worked out we got well. some fun stuff coming up. Yeah, we got some fun stuff coming up. For sure, man. All right. Well, but, anything else? Yeah. Nope. I was going to say, I think we hit it all. I think we had a lot of fun today. Oh, and, I, guess, uh, I guess one more plug for... since I am an affiliate. Uh, oh, yeah. Go for uh, it. Just released a new episode of Very Good Music this past week. Uh, my youngest daughters and I, uh, they're seven, seven-year-old twins. Um, we talked about a game that they like to play together, um, a little a little indie game uh, developed by Devolver Digital called Piku Niku. And just a really fun cartoony Which game. Which Kyle I know Kyle, for yeah, us. Kyle definitely likes. Yeah. And it's really quirky, really fun. I've gotten some good feedback from it. Uh, I know that when you have little kids on a sh- on a show, it can go either way. But this apparently went went over really well. So go check that out if you have some time. Go give it a listen. Go support very good music, a VGM podcast, Bedroth's other endeavor in the VGM podcasting world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go check it out. But unfortunately, that is going to bring us to the close of this show for this week. We do want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of BG Mania, made possible, of course, by RPGR.com. If you like video game music, and more importantly, you like us and you want to help grow the show, check the description box for ways you can do just that, including a link to join our Discord community. Make sure you click it, join it, and interact with us. And remember, you can actually submit uh, requests for that upcoming radio hour next week as well. Uh, Bedroth, what are we going to be closing out with? Taking us out of this episode, we're going to be listening to Pause Mode from Lethal Weapon 3. Uh, this soundtrack was developed in 1992. Game was actually never released, but it was going to come out on the Sega Master System. And this was composed by Yeroen Tell. Keep the music playing and keep it loud.